Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome. This is Seeking Sustainable Travel in Japan. And my name is JJ Walsh. I'll be your host today. And I'm based in Hiroshima, Japan for a long time. Hope everyone's doing well. It's a bit rainy today in Hiroshima, but it's nice and cool. It's nice. The summer heat is easing off, and I hope you're having a good day wherever you are.、Uh, thanks for joining. So,、uh, today I'm talking about an island called Teshima. And Teshima is a very small island between Honshu Island and Shikoku Island in the Seto Inland Sea in Japan. So, kind of in the middle of Japan, if you're looking at a map of Japan. And it has become quite a popular travel destination because of its modern art and very innovative art. And so, in today's episode, I'll be talking about the art appeal of this wonderful destination, but also talking a little bit about、um, the issues, the local issues that this island faces and has been facing for a while, in hopes that we can discuss how tourism can be more sustainable. What is the, the reason to go on a trip? You want to have something meaningful for you. But to what extent does your responsibility as a tourist extend to helping or hindering、uh, the lives of local people, right? So, this is something we often talk about in this sustainable travel series. And I think Teshima is a, a very good example of how. The appeal, building destination appeal of a small place can actually help empower local people who are trying to get justice for an environmental or social issue. So let's start with the bad and then we'll go on with the good.、Um, like many places around the world, there might be bad things that you don't realize. But last year it was in the news. Uh, here's the Mainichi Shimbun, the newspaper called the Mainichi in Japan. And they were talking about 20 years on residents set to re- return Garbage Island in Western Japan to its pristine state. And they introduced a local activist, an activist leader, and he has been very active in. Talking to the government, trying to get justice、um, for the 10 year period when the island was used as a toxic waste site, a dump for toxic waste. And、uh, Greenpeace has、uh, done a scientific survey here,、um, testing the area. It has also been written up in the Japan Times as well as the Mainichi Shimbun. Um, they got an official apology from the government, and the government has、uh, promised to clean up the site. and They have removed 913,000 tons of toxic waste.、Um, the toxic waste came from waste from cars, waste oil, mud, 
and different kinds of uh, industrial waste, which was shredded and brought to the island. Now, it's it's horrible as news, but it's wonderful that they've been able to get some justice um, for this problem and, and start to get um, whoever was doing it to get responsibility and start cleaning it up. Um, there's a lot of places around the world you might visit and not realize that these kinds of issues are happening. And this brings in a lot of issues when we're talking about waste management. Hi, Pablo. Thanks for joining from the HAPS team from LA. Uh, so when we, t when we buy a new car, when we buy a new house, uh, it's not just buying something new. It's not just a new development. There's a lot of waste that happens when we move into the modern world and uh, live in these modern things, use these modern things. So when we make cars, there's a lot of um, waste that has to be put somewhere. So a lot of times, um, beautiful places, beautiful, natural, pristine places are used as dumping sites, not only in Japan, uh, all around the world, because out of sight, out of mind. So it's wonderful to see that they're able to move forward and get some justice for local people and start cleaning it up. Um, but it does raise the issue of where do we put waste? How do we deal with waste? Um, who has responsibility for dealing with waste, right? Is it on the manufacturer? Is it on the user? Is it on the taxpayer who has to clean it up at the destination? So these are all important issues. And I think now that uh, Teshima has become a very popular tourist attraction, it actually gives them more power, the local people who are trying to get justice or get the cleanup to happen, have more power and there is more transparency because more people are visiting. So more people are looking at the island, more people are thinking about the island. So the fact that it's not completely hidden is a really good aspect of how tourism can help give power to local people, local stakeholders, um, when they're trying to fight for justice. Uh, thank you, Pablo, appreciate that. Um, the residents, very interesting. The residents have also asked um, for some of the concrete along the seawalls to be taken away, that they really want to let nature get back to nature and allow nature to heal itself. And so a lot of the seawalls around Japan are built up with concrete and this happened on their island as well. And they've asked for these concrete walls to also be taken down and revert back to a natural shoreline. And I think we see in a lot of the art projects, which are assets and points of attraction and appeal on the island, are also very focused on sustainable assets, right? Creating art as a way to look at the beauty of nature, to look at the beauty of animals and scenery. So on many of the art projects I'm going to describe now, you can see how they're using innovation and art and creativity as a way to enhance 
what natural assets they already have on this beautiful place, on this beautiful island. So let's, uh, just to introduce from my poster, so these are some of the places I'm going to introduce, some of the attractions on the island. So on the bottom right, we can see the Teshima Art Museum. That's the biggest art installation, which is absolutely stunning. It's supposed to uh, look like a water droplet from the sky. And it's a very special place. Above that, you can see an old, uh, old style diving costume. So this is something I saw along the roadside. So they're reusing uh, ancient <laughs> old school diving uniform as a way to show that their business is now open. So in front in kanji characters, it says open for business. Uh, on the right side is a, a beautiful remodeled old building, which is another art structure uh, made from an international artist who has a very innovative art exhibit, which I will describe. And then behind in the middle uh, is a map of the design of Teshima Island, what the uh, island looks like from above and it has loads of different basketball hoops. So uh, one of the nice things about the art installations, especially the outdoor ones, is it encourages a lot of active travel and active engagement in art. So these are very popular art installations for families and kids and students to go and explore as well. Okay, uh, let me show you some of the pictures I've taken around the island and then I'll show you the official website. Uh, one of the things that's very unique about the art installations at Teshima is you're not allowed to take photos inside. And this forced mindfulness, <laughs> I think is really useful. Um, as long as you know beforehand that once you go inside the art installation, you're not going to be able to share it on social media. You're not going to be able to document it. But the official websites have beautiful photos, which I'll be showing in a little while. But I took this uh, beautiful photo of the surrounding island and sea from the Teshima Art Museum. Isn't that gorgeous? You can see the agriculture fields, rice paddies, and the cliffs all the way down to the beaches. And that white beach is a natural white beach there. And that is something the locals are saying they want to revert back to, the natural beaches, and get rid of the concrete in front of the, the beaches again. So it's a gorgeous picture of Teshima Island there. And uh, as you're going around the island, it's really interesting. They have a lot of art as you're going around. So because you are primed as a visitor to expect art, I think you see more of the art, which is around the outside anyway, because you're, you're ready for it. You're ready to see it. 
And so these are some things along the roadside, um, which you might notice, you might not notice, but because you go to the island expecting to see modern art, I think you're, you're ready to see things like this, these installations, these uh, interesting points. So this was kind of a, a rusted uh, metal cover in front of like a utility area next to a house or facility, but they have these beautiful, I think really cool circular designs cut into the metal with glass. So it was reflecting the view of the rice paddies and the agriculture fields around, and it was surrounded by ivy. And I really like that. Uh, this one, it's kind of rusted metal, but it's all intertwined into hoops. And it just, if you just notice it quickly, it might look a bit like a mess, like someone's junkyard. But if you look carefully, it is artistically designed. You look up through it if it's a blue sky day, and it kind of frames your view of the sky and the clouds. Unfortunately, when I took this picture, it was not a blue sky day but I think it's still interesting. Now this uh, room is called the heart room. And I'd like to point out one of the things that I love about this, which is Japanese culture. So even though it's a famous uh, French designer, an artist who created this art structure, the wood of the building when they did the remodel is a kind of burnt, wood, which makes the material more fire resistant, which is actually a very traditional Japanese practice. And it's very beautiful. It's like a black burnt wood look. So this is the name of the heart. <laughs> Does anybody speak French? I apologize in advance. Uh, Le Archive de Cour, maybe? <laughs> so this is by Christian Boltanski, and he actually has uh, another art installation in the forest, which I haven't had a chance to get to yet. I've been to Teshima a few times, um, but I haven't seen his forest installation uh, filled with wind chimes. So I want to go and visit that next time. Uh, just to make a note, um, most of the art installations are now closed on Teshima Island, like many parts of Japan, because we're in state of emergency. So I thought, even though nothing's open right now, it's a good time to think about future travel and destinations you would like to get to. So this art installation is very interesting. Look at the location here. It's a beautiful remodeled old building, big windows looking out to the sea, but the inside is very innovative and unique. Uh, it's called the heart room. Now remember that for when we look at the official site a little bit later, it's very interesting. Um, so I mentioned before about the shape of Teshima Island and all the basketball hoops that's very near the port when you come in by ferry. And here is the official website run by the company Benesse. And it shows you all the art on Teshima Island. So Teshima Art Museum, 
archives de cour. I apologize again. Uh, Teshima Yoko House, which is also very near the main port. Teshima 8 Million Lab, the Needle Factory, Storm House, Tom Nahiu, and La Forette de Murmurs. I apologize again to anyone who speaks French. <laughs> to find out more, um, have a look at uh, Benesse Art site. So if you do a Google search for Benesse um, and Teshima, you will find this site. And they have a lot of beautiful art on not only this island, but the next island of Naoshima, which I hope to talk about in a future episode. So let's have a look first at the Teshima Art Museum. So this art museum, like I said before, is thought to be inspired by what it might look like when a water drops from the sky. I love that idea. And it is a collaborative project between an artist and an architect. So the artist is uh, Tararo Yoko. Oh, sorry, that's the Yoko house. Uh, Teshima Art Museum is Rei Naito, the artist and architect Ryue Nishizawa. And uh, Rei Naito is actually from Hiroshima. And it talks a little bit about, about her here, but you see on the ceiling, there's these huge openings where you just look out to nature, the surrounding trees and the sky. There's beautiful shadows and light that come inside. And on the ground, there's these water droplets that mysteriously move around and are somehow magically connected to the wind from what I've read. So the artist, Ray Naito, she calls this uh, structure matrix. And she talks about the water trickling out from the ground here and there throughout the day as light, wind, and the voices of birds on occasion, also rain, snow, and bugs, enter through the two openings and come in resonance with each other. An infinity of expressions are revealed as time passes immersing calmly in this space, feeling united with nature, we may sense the joy of life on earth. And you can see an image there of a water droplet, which looks very similar to this beautiful structure, the matrix. So she was born in Hiroshima in 1961. And the architect she works with is Ryue Nishizawa, originally from Tokyo. And it's interesting how he built it, a low concrete shell structure without pillars or columns to support it. The surrounding nature directly uh, shows through the two openings in its organic and horizontal interior space. All the plants here used are indigenous weeds naturally grown on Teshima so that the museum becomes part of the environment. Isn't that beautiful? So it looks space-like. 
Isn't that so interesting? It really blends in to the natural surroundings, but also really stands out as something so unique and so intriguing. And let me tell you a little bit about the experience. So when you go to the main uh, front office and you have to get there, uh, most people rent a bicycle and cycle there from the port and there's hills, um, but you kind of expect to make an effort to get there because you know it's going to be worth it. You know it's going to be a special place. And when you get there and, and pay for your ticket, Usually you're given a number and you have to go away and come back later. And the reason they've done that is to stagger the crowds, to make sure that everybody has a, an experience which is very special and meaningful and there's not too many people around. Um, before you enter, you have to take off your shoes. You're told to leave your telephone. You're not allowed to take pictures or draw or do anything that might be distracting for not only other people, but for yourself. So as I mentioned before, this is kind of forced mindfulness, right? You are forced to take in the experience in the best way. And quite often, this is how omotenashi gets a bad image in Japan because they're forcing you to do it the way they know it should be done. So, for example, a sushi chef um, might force you to eat something you didn't choose because he knows that's the best thing you should eat. So <laughs> I think in this way, it's very similar, right? They're forcing you to experience this museum in the best way, to have the best chance to have a strong impression. And in this sense, it works really well. And I'm really happy that they did it. Of course, as someone who depends a lot on social media, I did feel sad that I wasn't going to be able to live stream or share photos or videos from inside this amazing structure. But I was so glad that I was forced to be quiet and forced to sit there and notice the sounds of nature, the breeze coming in from these huge openings in the roof, the movement of water beads and water droplets quietly running and, and going into pools across the floor. And the fact that nobody else was talking, nobody was taking photos, nobody was doing video, it really personalized the experience. And inside the structure, you have staff who are standing around and quietly reminding people to be quiet or quietly reminding people um, not to run or do something which might disturb the experience, but it's, it's a lovely place and I would highly recommend it. And I think this idea of enforcing the best experience sometimes works really well. And in this case, it did work. That's my idea of a wonderful experience. Yeah, Molly, it's, it was great. Um, yeah, some, you know, there are some some downsides to it, but I think overall you have more merit, merits than demerits in terms of this. 
Now, just up the hill from this, there was a really cool little noodle shop. So the second time I visited with a friend, I brought a friend here and we got our tickets and we knew we had an hour um, before we could get in. So we were walking around the area. We discovered a noodle shop up the hill. And one thing that I really like about the noodle shop, it took a long time for, you know, very simple udon noodles to be made, but it's run by two local people. And it was really cute how when they serve the noodles, uh, usually Japanese noodles come with fresh green onions chopped on top of it. And they uh, pointed to the scissors and they pointed to their green onion patch of a, a small farm that they had next to the shop. So the customer would take your bowl of noodles and go over to the, the farm and cut fresh green onion onto the top of your noodles. And I thought that was such a nice original feature that I'd never seen done anywhere else in Japan. I love that. I'm sure they were all having cell phone withdrawals. Yeah, and me too, to be honest. You know, the reason the reason I travel, the reason I go to uh, many beautiful places around Japan or the world is to document it and share it with my followers, but also to document it for myself. So when I can talk to my friends and family or people after, I can show what I saw or what I did. <coughs> but I think the fact that they have such a beautiful website where you can refer back to it and refer back to their official photos, which are actually better than what you could do <laughs> yourself, then it, it seems to work really well. But yeah, having cell phone withdrawals, I think is a, a common symptom we are all suffering. And uh, this is the cafe shop. Now in the cafe shop, you can actually take pictures. Um, and it's kind of a mini version of what you see. And how cool is that, right? All that, the beautiful skylight, the molded cave-like dome. They have a little shop and a cafe there. So you can get some drinks or cakes. And um, they're using local lemons uh, in their cakes and they have uh, some lemonade, which is very popular from local lemons. I would love to see them uh, not using plastic straws, but it'll happen. Bring your own straw and say no plastic straw, please. <laughs> but look at this beautiful place. Uh, very classy, very nice design. I love all the circular structures. And you can also buy postcards. Sometimes in Japan, it's really hard to get quality postcards, but they have beautiful postcards here available. So yeah, you have to, if you're in this area of Japan, you really have to seek out this Teshima Art Museum. It's so impressive, so beautiful, and such a wonderful experience. Okay. Moving on. So now we go back to the heart room. Uh, I'm going to say the artist's name, Christian, Christian Boltanski. And like I said, he has two installations uh, on the island. 
And this one, like some of the other popular installations on the island, um, like I showed the outside of the building with the burnt wood, um, which is more fire resistant and it reflects a part of traditional Japanese culture, um, which is worth preserving. So in that way, it's sustainable on two fronts, right? And inside the building, uh, you can see this beautiful sea view and island view, the nearby islands. And this is a screen, a computer screen with earphones, which is connected to the art experience. And when you, draw, uh, when you go inside, um, it's funny because you walk inside, it looks like you're in a house, but you walk inside and all the staff are wearing white medical robes. They look like doctors. And there is a reason for that. It's connected to, it's kind of like a, a health theme as well. So that's where you go after. And this is the listening room. And they stagger um, people's visits. So only one or two or only a few people can go in at a time. And the walls are lined with mirrors. And there's a light at the end, but the most impressive thing about it is the sound. And if you're in there with a few other people, it kind of sounds like you're in a nightclub. There is like alternating beats. But if you're in there alone, you realize it's the sound of a heartbeat. And not only any heartbeat, it's the sound of your heartbeat. So it makes recordings of people's heartbeats as they're in this recording chamber. And then you go into the listening area and you can listen to the recording of your heart and you can listen to the recording of other people's hearts. It has it on a kind of archive file. So part of the name of this exhibit is the archive of the hearts. And I found this really fascinating and interesting how art can be connected to health. And uh, of course, our heartbeat is one of the most important parts of our health, knowing that we are alive. <laughs> um, like many of the visits on uh, Teshima Island, if you have a group, you will have to book in advance um, because they are very good on at all these art installations. They're so good at making sure the experience is high quality. So they are staggering out people. So if you have a group, you're going to have to go at a different time. So make sure to book in advance. Yes, art is connected to everything, like sustainability. It's really connected to everything. Uh, let's go to the next one, Teshima Yoko House. Now, this is also quite near the port when you come in. And this place really impressed me as well. Another old uh, classic traditional Japanese building, which has been remodeled. But this time, uh, as, as many places on this island, remodeled in a really fantastic way, M much different from any normal remodel for a house you would want to live in. 
And here again, you can see the yakisugi, the traditional charcoal style wood that's used on the outside, which is more uh, flame resistant. And they have so many like pop art features here, um, bright colors. The big windows are all tinged orange uh, and red. So when you're inside, um, you have a certain tinge to some of the installations inside because of this deep red window cover. And this is um, uh, another combination of an artist and an architect. So the architect here is Yuko Nagayama and the artist is Tadanori Yoko. And the inside of the building has these really impressive big murals, um, glass floors, interesting take on tatami with a special colorful edging. So it looks kind of like a normal house from the outside, but there is nothing normal when you go to the inside. It's um, very impressive. And it, the theme is supposed to uh, make you think of both life and death simultaneously at the same time. It's uh, renovated with glass floors, um, ponds, colors, fish inside, um, the red tinted windows, very impressive. A collaboration again with an artist and an architect. I really love that, that combination, uh, using the artistic skills, two different kinds of skill sets that I guess with many big installations, you would have that natural combination of an architect or a builder and an artist with a vision. Um, but it's the first time I've seen such a strong connection. Uh, the next interesting place is Teshima 8 Million Lab, which is very another very interesting installation here around beautiful nature located on the seaside area of Ko in the southwestern area, Yaoyorozu, which means eight million, is a word used to describe the myriads of gods believed to reside in almost anything, such as the wind, ocean, trees, and animals, far from the big city. So once again, it's a looks like a renovated old traditional house, and there are a lot of interesting uh, traditional features, but also connected to modern art and uh, the connection with nature and views as well as art. The architects are Yuri Naruse and Jun Inokuma. It's a very interesting structure to go and visit. Unfortunately, like many um, art installations, not museums, but outdoor art installations, it is very difficult um, for people with accessibility issues. So if you're in a wheelchair, or you have a stroller, a lot of these sites are very difficult 
um, to get to or access. And there's a, a notice here that this is currently closed. Now, uh, a really good time to see all of this art, of course, if you can, is during the art festival. So there is a kind of tourism appeal that they tried to do to encourage people to visit these islands by making a special time of year uh, during the season, spring, summer, or autumn, I believe, if I can remember, uh, where you buy a pass and you can visit the art installations, uh, temporary ones or some of the permanent ones, like I'm talking about today, um, these are all permanent ones. But during the art festival time, they also have a lot of temporary ones which are popping up. And a lot of the temporary ones are done by university students around Japan. And this is another way that you are building um, more sustainable tourism or more sustainable destination because a lot of these islands are struggling with population decline. And by offering some of the old houses, which are not being used, to groups of artists, groups of university students who are in an art club or want to have an art project, and they come to the island and they make use of this old building and recreate it into some kind of art project. And they're going back and forth. Many of the students are from big cities like Tokyo or Osaka. And they're coming back and forth and getting to know the local people, getting to know the local destination, and of course, spending some money when they go there. So they're contributing to the local economy, but also contributing to the liveliness of the local destination, which is losing population, especially young people. So in that way, having this art exhibition festival time has been a very good way to build up um, the destinations, not only when people are going during the festival, but when they're preparing. And then maybe they had a great experience when they were preparing for the art festival or when they visited, so they'll go back. So you're building the destination appeal not just during the event time, but a bigger sense of branding or appeal over a longer period. So that's something very innovative and very effective that I often use as an example of how to build brand appeal for sustainable destinations. Get the students involved, get the artists involved, uh, offer art artist residencies where you give them free accommodation, free internet access maybe, and support their art and uh, maybe give them a bit of a salary as well. So that's a cheaper way to build brand appeal than going the traditional way of just advertising on TV or uh, getting influencers, paying a lot to get influencers to come. I think these kind of long-term sustainability destination uh, branding strategies are actually over the long term much more effective and they connect more people to the destination in a very real way. All right, let's continue back to the assets and attractions on the island. All right, next is the needle factory. Now the needle factory is very interesting 
This is an abandoned sewing needle factory, which closed in the late 1980s. It stands in a small village on the island. And they use this big structure, which actually came from another island, Uwajima. And they transported it across the Seto Inland Sea to this island. Uh, it was created, but never used. So they're reusing disused items, even from other areas. The artists and architects are bringing them to this island to be reused as art. Another wonderful feature of sustainability, of course, is reusing things that already exist. And you can see you walk in and it has a lot of different structures to see. And it's called the Needle Factory. Uh, Shinyo Otake is the artist and he wanted to integrate the hull form, which was on the verge of being discarded and the old needle factory to make a connection between the two objects. At the same time, it reminds of the era, the area and the people associated with these objects and a variety of images related to the sea. So talking again about how art connects to nature, how art connects to industry and nature and people all trying to find balance. So, so many of the art installations have the very strong theme of sustainability. This next one is really interesting. Anybody who's been to Japan and been in a typical Japanese house, this is a remodeled kind of typical Japanese house made um, to look pretty much as it usually looks when you visit or live in there, but they have added sights and sounds which help the visitors experience storms. So on a strong rain or windy day, as you sit inside and you can hear and see how the house changes with the different sound and light effects. So the artists are Janet Cardiff, Cardiff and George Burez Miller. Often using sound as a central element, Cardiff and Miller's artwork merge into the building and environment they are placed into. At Stormhouse, Stormhouse is the name of this installation, viewers are exposed to the experience of a storm inside a traditional Japanese house through the interplay of light, water, shadow, sounds, and vibrations, or the movement of electrical appliances. Through the gap with the actual weather conditions outside and confronting their own memories of storms, viewers are led to immerse themselves in the world of storms. How interesting. So these two artists are both from Canada, but they obviously have a very good understanding of what it's like to live in a Japanese house. Um, this is very typical of uh, living in a Japanese house. I've lived in Japan for most of my life and uh, it was really impressive and uh, definitely a worthwhile experience you'll want to try out when you're visiting the island once it opens again. Uh, the next place 
is very interesting and unexpected. Tomnahui is an ancient Celtic site of spiritual transmigration where souls are considered to spend a long time until the next migration. Inspired by the legend and the fact that ancient humans have built standing stones in many places around the world, Mariko Mori, the artist, created a new monument that symbolizes life and death in our time. Now, very uh, beautiful glass structure here, but there is also a very interesting connection to technology and even the universe as she is connecting and collaborating with uh, Kamioka Observatory in another part of Japan. And whenever the observatory collects data from outer space about supernovas exploding, their uh, data creates different uh, points of light in this sculpture and the light uh, reflects in the surrounding bamboo forest, but also in the water below it. So it's a connection of life and death, but not only on our world, but also including outer space. I thought that was so interesting. Isn't that interesting? Sorry, I'll make it bigger so you can see. So it's a glass structure that lights up in the middle of a pond and surrounded by a bamboo grove. And the light emitted is connected to what's happening out in space, out in the universe. Wow, so creative, isn't it? It's so amazing. I love how art can just blow your mind and make you think about things you've never thought in that way before, or you never could think. Um, and it makes you realize how important connecting and collaborating with artists is when we talk about world issues, when we talk about the need to protect the environment, the need to uh, take care of people and social justice. We need an artist's impression to help us see issues in a different way and appreciate uh, things in a different way. So I really appreciate and respect this beautiful art um, as well. And the last one I wanted to introduce is by the same artist as the Heart Room. And I apologize again in advance to any French speakers. La Florette de Murmurus. I'm sorry. Um, this is again by Christian Boltanski. And uh, he installed a variety of wind chimes in the middle of the forest. And so as you walk around the forest, you can hear all the wind generated sounds of the, the wind chimes in the forest. How lovely. And let me see if I can make that bigger. It's a little bit blurry. Sorry about that. Um, so the artist Christian 
Christian Boltanski. This artwork is an endless work. It is my hope that the entire forest will eventually echo with the sounds of wind chimes. Maybe we'll become a place of pilgrimage where people still come to pray after my name is long forgotten. How beautiful. So those are the, oh sorry, it's a bit blurry coming in. Uh, those are the main attractions for Teshima Island. Um, along the way, as I mentioned before, you also see a lot of things which look like art. Uh, reuse of the diving costume, for example, or uh, things which are actually art installations um, like these on the side of the road but also uh, there are places to eat souvenir shops cafes i really like this cafe that we found and it had a shady area out the back where they had tables set up um, sometimes and of course social distancing and eating outside um, is what we're aiming for now as we are trying to social distance and travel safely or eat safely um, with coronavirus around. Um, this is called the Shima Kitchen and uh, they made some beautiful food for us uh, even without meat or fish and we were able to eat and enjoy at this lovely local place. So uh, once they are back open for business after the state of emergency is over and the rates of people getting vaccinated in Japan is improving, I think we just passed um, the rate of America, actually. Um, so the vaccination rollout is going really fast and smooth now. So hopefully by next summer, uh, I could say conservatively, or next spring if things go quicker uh, in terms of international travel, then uh, travel to this area might be possible. But if you're living in Japan um, after the state of emergency, maybe later this year, you could think about traveling to Teshima Island and experiencing some of these beautiful art attractions. Um, but also thinking about how uh, art connects to nature, how art connects to design, um, thinking about art and your own life. So many things to think about uh, when you visit a place like this. And it brings up a lot of memories of your own life and your own creativity is kind of peaked and tapped into. So after you leave a place like this, I find uh, that I'm thinking about things in a new way as well because my eyes were opened or my mind was opened to new ideas and new ways of thinking. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a problem, Molly. Um, thank you everybody for joining so much and I hope you enjoyed this brief tour of a very special place, Teshima Island. And if you're in Japan, maybe have a think about if you might be able to incorporate it into your trip, uh, a place to spend a day or even two days 
and explore some of this beautiful art and uh, wonderful local people and beautiful natural environment of the area. Thank you so much for joining again. Everyone, have a great day. Take care wherever you are, wear your mask, get vaccinated, and uh, take care of yourself and others. Have a great day. Thanks for joining.